Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. All right, here we go. Ryan Recker, Kim Wexley, Lewis. Um, we got in a little early, look here. Yeah, we got oh, I know, Shane. Bit. I screwed up big time. You know, I was I tried to get into break and I misjudged my time. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. We got in early anyway, so it was a bit of a cluster on both sides. So how you doing, Ryan Recker? <laughs> Very good. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, you feeling good? Oh, I'm feeling good. Took a little time off last week. Had some writing to do, some planning and uh, and all those oh, things. Cool. And um, still got a little allergy allergy thing going on here, which is uh, kind of crappy. But aside from that, things are things are all right. How's uh, how's everything down in St. Louis? Hey, you know, it's cold and gloomy, and I, sh- I always uh, forget to bring up the conversion between Fahrenheit and Celsius, but chilly, but I'm thinking that's par for the course in Canada. We've been going up and down lately, so we'll have temperatures that are cold, then we'll have temperatures that are nice, and then it'll be cold, and then it'll be nice. That's our last couple of weeks, and it is just killing everyone's sinuses, and, you know, people are walking around with sore throats right now because of the temperature swings and things. It's just... It's basically this time of year in, in St. Louis isn't the greatest. Hmm. So about uh, six degrees Celsius uh, is what it is now. 43 Fahrenheit is what I see uh, for you yep, guys. That's, that's right. chilly. Wow, that's wet and chilly. Hey, that is chilly. Wet and chilly. Huh. You said you're writing. I didn't know you were a writer. What kind of things have you been working on? Um, I write I, <laughs> I write poetry, um, but that's not what I was working on. I do a lot of... Um, work with helping people understand conversation. So without getting too deep into it and shamelessly sales pitching myself, which I will happily do any other time, um, (laughs) is that, so for me, the way that I always describe it is I always say the smallest little words will change your life. And, um, if you want to change your life, change the way you speak to people. And if you want to change, uh, your life, like seriously, like succeed in life, you need to change the way you speak to yourself. And, um, Hmm. it's not about anything fancy. It's not about big words. It's just indications about understanding how time works and how words work and how these, the things we say to ourselves in our head have a big impact on our lives. So I love sharing that with people. It's a big fundamental piece of how I do this show of trying to sort of embrace people that are sort of negative and hurting. Um, and, uh, and yeah, since you asked, that's what I, that's what I do. It sounds like a Ted talk. Uh, well, maybe I do, I do keynote speaks speeches. So, um, that would be a thing, but I've never done Ted or that would be a great thing. Wow. That's uh, actually getting in on the keynote circuit. That's the way to do it. That's like a great source of uh, notoriety and things. A year ago, ago, everything was good up until then. Yeah. So remember the old days outfit, a stage outfit. We could go out and could go and see people and hug them and say, hi, remember those old days? Oh, man, yeah. You see pictures of yourself on Facebook memories that pop up, and you say, wow, look at that. Not a mask in sight. <laughs> yeah. So oh, oh yeah. Well, That's tell me what's going on in your world, Ryan, Ryan Recker. We've got some, um, you have an election coming up. It must be just overwhelming tsunami of information and politicking going on in your world. It's like that all the time. In the United States, they start their campaigning years in advance. You know, it's not like other countries that kind of have a you know, a certain window, a period where everyone gets into it and it's just right before an election. No, 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 They start, they uh, really get a running head start and they use this. It's like a nonstop turnover, a flow of 
political news, but this just happens to be like the end of a season, right? Like when you get to the end of the season, they're going to leave you on a cliffhanger. There's going to be some big thing that happens. It's like in a television show. That's basically it is where like we're a TV at. Show. Yeah. yeah. Do, and do we they... um, are, are trying to like cycle through a lot of, you know, it, there's so many stories that come up and they always come in late. They call them an October surprise. So you wait for those big stories to drop right before an election to try to give a candidate a little bit of an extra, you know, leg up or give their opponent something that's a, a big pie to the face. But we're at that point where they're starting to drop. We had one last week. Uh, when it came to an, uh, a, a laptop at Hunter Biden, which is Joe Biden's son, which is kind of a storyline that we've been following throughout this for a while. The validity of it still in question, but some real fascinating things that could be true. Then there's um, other aspects of Donald Trump, of course, just coming off the covid. And, you know, is there going to be another health outbreak with the covid numbers rising? There, there's so many things going on right now. Yeah, he's a hell of a dancer, though. Did you see that meme? Making its way around. I did see it. Group. I thought he was, was going to fall good. off a stage. You see how close he got to that? I know, but you know, and I, I wish I could make fun of him. I really do. But the reality is, is that's like my repertoire that he was working. So I can't even make fun that, of the those guy. dance moves. That was pretty good. I am also not someone that would ever dance in public. I know that I, there's not a lot of things that would shame me to do in public. I just know that it's not a good combination. In fact, it's less awkward for me to just stand there and not do anything. For you, for everyone else watching it, though, it's either going to be extremely awkward, like when you watch a comedian pick on someone in the audience, or it's going to be awesome because they're going to enjoy it. Maybe <sighs> they enjoy it. Maybe you're but a great ha- dancer. Have you um, ever been that guy in the audience a comedian has picked on? No, I will never go um, sit at the front. And if I have a couple of friends mm-hmm. that are comedians and uh, they they we they know, look, I feed them jokes and bits and things and I want no credit. Um, but I am not a target when I'm there because they know full well that there'll be a target here if that's the case. So, <laughs> is that right? I can't. Well, do you got to know what the the high probability of you're going to be the one getting it or not. We used to have like this one radio station I worked at in my first job in Ohio had a small comedy club in the city, and we had this sort of agreement where the comedians would come in and they would promote their shows on the radio station. And it was fun for us because, you know, it's good content, and you never knew who the comedians were. Like, there there were never, like, top-name billing type of deal. But it was still fun because, you know, they were... It was just fun to have that. And we would go to the comedy clubs on the first night, which is always historically the slowest night, the one that they didn't sell out on. And you would go and you'd do your thing, and we'd always have to sit in the front because those are the seats no one else wanted. So you would have to sit front and center for these comedy shows. And, um, yeah, one time I did get picked on by a comedian. They didn't know who I was at the time and that they would have to come on my show the next day. But it was, uh, you know, it was okay. I guess you'd, you'd take it in fair stride. <laughs> well, we deserve it usually, like in some ways. Um, you know, just because it's... Um... It might sting a little bit. Doesn't mean it's not true, right? Um, a little bit of burn here and yeah. there wasn't isn't so bad. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I don't. I always get feel awkward. I'm like, oh, that poor guy is getting picked on, right? Oh, I know. I, the makeup of a radio station, um, by the way, with the way people dress, I don't know if it's the same way in Canada or not, but I would say if you were to put a percentage on percentage of people that dress professionally casually and then dress like a bum i would say professionally here at least what i've recognized in most places might be um 10 percent casually but could pass as you know they could go to a like a nice lunch meeting or whatever but they're not like formal might be 
uh, 50%, and then the yeah. rest of them dress like bums. So we might be at like 40% bums. What's the breakdown of the radio stations you've worked at? Well, I would say that, um, if I can remember what it's like to work at a radio station, um, the <laughs> it's about the same numbers, right? Like you got all the, the business people, the important people that could afford a nice shirt. They, they wear nice shirts and stuff like that. Um, and then the talk radio folks always tend to, you know, dress a little more professionally for some reason. I have no idea. I say this as I'm literally in my pajamas with a hat on backwards while we do the show, just to be <laughs> clear. Um, and, um, and then, then you kind of get, you got to get the creative writers and, you know, some of the accounting people and promo people, they're way more casual, uh, not even business casual, but just passable. And then, um, mm-hmm. and then the homeless people are usually the, the on-air staff. Uh, usually. Yep. Yeah, uh, and normally they are. And you ever seen anyone move faster than the email that goes out that there's free food inside of the donuts. conference room or something? It's like, yeah, and everyone moves, yeah, pizza or donuts or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. all those things. I'm also in the same situation. I got the sweatpants. I wear, like, the pajamas, kind of like, you know, just a, a, a T-shirt. I don't dress up like if I were going to an actual physical building, which is strange because for the kids that are going and doing virtual classes right now, they want them to dress like they're going to school. Well, I think it's a good thing. I do. I there was I had a meeting last week that I I got dressed for. Um, I mean, there have been times where my Zoom camera turns on and I see myself and I'm like, whoa, I gotta put something <laughs> on here because my hair is out to here and I haven't had a haircut in so long and um and it just like so I there have been I've caught myself going, oh geez, like this is important. I should probably do something here. I've let my beard go, um, but yeah, I <laughs> the. That camera comes on, but if you have the odd meeting, you know, you, you put something nice on. Maybe a, a, a yeah, clean I noticed hoodie. too. Uh, like sometimes this will become a national story. Is there's a teacher that notices something in the background of the kids' room or their house or whatever, and they will they have to report it to whatever administrator, or they report it in some cases to the police. And that's been somewhat controversial in the sense that what goes on inside of the house, even things that would be absolutely legal for it to be inside the house, there could mean your kid gets in trouble in school well and yeah you know i don't know if you've ever gone to a psychologist um but psychologists especially with children have to report right so everything that happens with a psychologist is confidential but if anything dangerous or illegal gets reported that conversation has to start i would imagine it'd be the same for the teacher can you imagine if it went the other way though i realize it's a fine line of privacy right about like hey this isn't your this isn't your jam here, but can you imagine um, if you didn't report it and then found out after the, could you sleep at night? Not like if the teacher didn't say anything, well, I didn't want to cause any trouble. And then all of a sudden something went terribly wrong in that house. Ooh. So the, the caution level. So where's that line of the caution? Yeah. So what, what do you report? Not, but that's fascinating about schools. Do they have normally a psychologist on hand to talk to the kids at uh, schools in Canada? No, no. I mean, some of them do. Um, there's counselors, of course, at school. I don't think they're actually trained psychologists. Um, you know, trained psychologists would tech, if I understand this correctly, have a PhD, right? Like so they have two degrees. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it, a psychiatrist, at least I'm assuming it's the same everywhere. I've never even thought of this before. A psychiatrist is a yeah. doctor who does the psychology degree. Um, and so there are GP already that can go and to prescribe pills, whereas a psychologist has some sort of other degree. And then the psychiatrist, uh, psychologist degree on top of that, huh. they can't prescribe yeah. pills. So, yeah, but no, I not, see. not in That's every school, but some of them do. Yeah. No. Yeah. Reporting the teachers. That would be, that'd be fun. The kids give the kids the power. They feel like he man 
you know, like they pull the sword up or whatever, uh, Castle Grayskull, and say they have the power. Yeah, you know, I noticed <laughs> that Grayskull. in my days in high school, we had a counselor. I only talked to him like one time, and it was the only reason you would talk to him is because when you were a senior, they go through your classes to make sure you took all the required classes that, to graduate, and that was the only time I ever spoke to him. Well, actually, I take that back. I spoke to him twice. The only other time was that we have this law here that if you're under the age of, I think, 16, and you're in high school or whatever it is, that if you need to work, you, your guidance counselor has to sign off to allow you to get a work permit so you're a minor working at a business while going to school. And really? I had to do that, too. Those are the only times I ever talked to my guidance counselor, and he was, um, as far as I know, creep. <laughs> so I don't know wow. anything else about it. Did you actually have, like, a relationship with a guidance counselor? Were no. they there for you guys? Yeah, they, they were there, but I, 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 know that, um, I know that my kids have used, I mean, they pretty active speaking to the guidance counselor, just sort of in socials uh, around the school. I think the counselors do a good job just sort of keeping in touch with the children. But um, mm -hmm. I didn't. I went to the the typical, you know, career path conversation things. They told me I should have been a surgeon. Um, oh, God, help <laughs> the world if that was the case. A and, uh, surgeon. Wow. Yeah. And that was it. So I don't know. I didn't like that's school. the only thing they ever told you one time. Yeah, <laughs> you're going to be a surgeon. What do your parents want you to do, by the way? Do they encourage you to get into broadcasting? No, God, no. But they supported it. But no, no, no. I actually went to theater school first. I was a sound designer for theater. So I was in the audio production world first and then then went into radio. Um, my dad was a millwright. Um, my mom, uh, she always sort of, while we were kids, worked office jobs. And then she went on mm -hmm. to have a very successful career uh, in and around oil and gas in Alberta as a community relations uh, person. So um, they, they both did that. I mean, get a job, get a pension. That was kind of the, the encouragement. But aside from that, it was giver. I mean, did yeah. your parents say, so, hey, I have a great idea. You should do talk radio late at night. No, I don't know they ever thought talk radio. When I was growing up, we only listened to like a rock station in the house, a lot of classic and then active rock. And that was kind of the the thing we all listened to. So I always liked the morning show. But, you know, you listen to the music or whatever during the day. My dad was big into talk radio, but he always listened to it when I was in school. So he had the personalities during the day that were on. He never really listened to it when we were out of school. So I wouldn't say I was exposed to it an awful lot. Um, but when you say sound design, does that mean you're going into a studio and you are recording and making your own sound effects for other yeah, projects? Like Everything fully sounds to speaker placement to microphones processing all that stuff is how I got started and then got into radio afterwards. Yeah. Okay, so oh. I have um, something I play around with. I don't know if you have things you fidget with when you're on the air. I got like these little things around my desk, and I want to make a sound for you, and I want you to tell me what the sound is because since you're a sound designer, you should be able to oh, know dear. and oh, be able to identify the sound. So, okay. All right, you ready to listen very carefully? Yeah. Okay, that was it. Let me try it one oh, more time. Do, that, do it again. Yeah. Oh, no. I thought I had it the first time. It's hard. It's very difficult to hear this. Let me try one more time. It kind of sounds like you're striking a match. That's pretty. That's a pretty good one. I actually have these two little Velcro pieces that I continuously push together and rip apart. That's like my oh, that fidget thing I do when I'm on air. It's pretty close. Yeah. Oh, I just hold You Sharpie. said you do a Sharpie? Yeah, I just yeah. hold Sharpies. Yeah. Mm you don't there's is it clickable or is it just is that you hitting it on the desk no i open yeah that was me hitting it on the desk i i just open and close the lid it's very funny i my greg, my strange? Buddy greg yeah my old buddy greg used to freak out i can't find a pen i can't go on the radio unless i have a pen it's weird um anyway Wait, you know do you let's carry do a sharpie everywhere 
uh, well, yeah, autographs. I mean, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. No can I tell you a quick story or do you have to go? I got uh, We have to go, but you can tell me a really quick uh, Sharpie story and then we'll, we'll bail. Unless you want to save it for next week. Okay. I'd love to talk to you again. Uh, all right. So I, I was lucky enough to spend some time with D. Snyder. He's the lead singer of Twisted Sister. Mm-hmm. And we went to an outback with his family and he would be approached by people. And in his pocket, he, he kept like three or four Sharpies. And I was like, wow, you have to do that? He's like, yeah, they're always asking. People will always come up to you and ask for an autograph. You have to keep a Sharpie everywhere you go. Just Good a quick story. Sharpie story. I love that. See, <laughs> All right, Ryan Wrecker should keep a Sharpie close by just in case you ask for his autograph. Thank you, sir. Shh. Shane Hewitt, good to hear from you. Thank <laughs> good you. Good to hear from you. We'll talk to you next week. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. We do. Are you okay? And we need to uh, we need to uh, have some conversations about some questionable questionable topics. Are you okay? Are you okay with free veteran parking? I'm assuming it's military veterans. Yes, I am okay with um, uh, free veteran parking. I was an air cadet, um, so I was always taught to respect the veterans uh, that serve this country or that serve this country. And yes, why not give them free parking? Like parking, how much? How much does that cost you? Like uh, per hour now? It's well, it's pretty expensive in Vancouver, but I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, for sure, the veterans need free parking. I I approve of I free approve. parking there for it veterans. Manawa's stamp of approval, Ray. I say yeah, yes, yes, but clearly some folks are going to scheme to have some, like, print off some fake. Well, uh, people have been gaming the handicap placard yeah, forever. Just like that. That's the exact same direct uh, line that I'm thinking of. People will just, right. you know, people pull, have some, been. pull some stuff off there. Yeah. Now, as long as there's a structure, right, as long as there's a structure that is something like the placard or the plate, or some sort of structure to it that makes it free and clear, then I say, well, absolutely. I have no problem with that one. Just one day after Global News revealed the sum of city Vancouver managers got uh, merit raises during a time of economic restraint, we're now learning that the city staff is recommending against a proposal for a free round of veterans parking looking to reduce some of the perks Canadian Forces members currently receive. This is Global BC's Kristen Robinson. Already struggling at limited capacity during COVID, the Billy Bishop Legion says just getting here is a battle for many members. A lot of veterans have difficulty finding parking spots. And some don't make it here at all. Because they can't find parking, they choose not to come. Staff disappointed to learn Vancouver is recommending against free city parking for veterans. Well, I don't think it's right. It was kind of a shock. BC veterans license plate holders and serving Canadian Forces members currently park for free at Vancouver City meters and lots in the week leading up to Remembrance Day. Last November, Council backed Melissa DiGenova's proposal to honour veterans with year-round free parking. I think that that's the least we can do to say thank you. But after review, city staff say a veteran's exemption would not align with current policy goals around transportation options or effective management of curbside space and could cost the city up to $2 million a year in lost revenue when veterans are not, on average, economically disadvantaged. A lot of the veterans are rich, they can afford parking. (laughs) And I, I, I have to disagree with that. I'm enraged, actually enraged and extremely disappointed 
The man who championed these plates estimates there are only about 500 veterans license holders living in Vancouver. For the city of Vancouver to sit back and, and tell veterans that it's going to cost 1.2 million odd dollars in lost revenue to the city of Vancouver is absolute bloody nonsense. DiGenova says the mayor has authority over staff and maintains every veteran deserves a few hours of free parking in the city. I will accept nothing less than that and I hope that the mayor won't either. Just ahead of Remembrance Day, the report also recommends reducing veterans free parking to November 11th only starting next year. Kristen Robinson, Global News. 877-399-9898. Texter says, I'm okay with that. I would think that it's um I would think that that is absolutely a um yeah, an okay thing. I mean, even if even if um a veteran is happens to be economically well off cuz they got a career or you know, they they worked hard and saved up some money. I think that we as citizens really could all kick in, you know, if we broke it up between how many million people, 37 million people, um, the if we broke it all up, the couple of bucks that might cost us in some tax somewhere is probably going to be all right. I think we can handle that. Uh, Don says, yes, yes, yes. Give them free parking. Our vets deserve a lot more than free parking. Cheers, Don. Um, sure, Amen give the that. veterans free parking. They deserve all the free stuff that goes with it. They fought for our country, hurt and even died for our country. So give them the free stuff that they want. Regardless, they, you know, they, these are people that committed to serving the country, even if they didn't, even if they ended up being office people. Um, there's the, always the risk of um, having to answer that call. And they say that they will answer that call. I admire that. That's, to me, that's a non-starter of discussion. This is uh, this is an interesting one. I don't think many people knew this. I did not. Are you okay? Can we do that? Oh, look at you. Are you okay? Are you okay with mocking people with a stutter? I'm gonna say no. Um, in what in what world would it be okay that you wouldn't get all the flack thrown at you? Well, Mariana's Trench released that song a couple of years ago called Stutter, and didn't it got played massive radio play? Yeah. I I admit I, I had a stutter uh, when I was a kid um, and I was made fun of for it all the time. And I wouldn't be the same person I am uh, without uh, getting made fun of for that stutter. So uh, I, I'm torn because like, in my personal like thing, if I, like if I never went through that experience, I wouldn't have turned out the way I am. So, um, yeah. but of course, there's many people who obviously wouldn't react the same. So isn't it one of those I'm things? This one. Yeah, I agree. Isn't one of those things that if you if you take it for what it is, just like calling uh, you know a, a, a giant uh, person that's like six foot seven, calling them tiny, you know, and without putting like this morality like you're a bad person because you stutter, but just you know calling it out for what it is is kind of calling it out for what it is. But then if it's insulting, it doesn't work. And I will tell you, Jason, that I also had a stutter. Um, I had an uncle. I do have an uncle who stutters. Uh, his was brain injury and they weren't ever sure if it was because of the fact that I did have some trouble when I was young with my ears and they were unsure if it was um, because of my uncle or if I was uh, just, you know, if I was mocking, um, like uh, repeating, parroting my, my uncle or if I was going through my own thing. So you can overcome it. Not everybody can, but some people can. Anyway, uh, CNN's Jake Tapper calls out La Lara Trump for openly mocking Joe Biden's stutter. 
Laura said, first and foremost, he had no idea, but Jake Tapper wasn't having it from CNN. Here's the clip. Every time he comes on stage or they turn to him, I'm like, Joe, can you get it out? Let's get the words out, Joe. You kind of feel bad for him. How do you think it makes little kids with stutters feel when they see you make a comment like that? Uh, first and foremost, I had no idea that Joe Biden ever suffered from a stutter. I think what we see on stage with Joe Biden, Jake, is very clearly a cognitive decline. Okay. That's what I'm referring to. It makes me uncomfortable. You, have, you are to no. Ab, you have, I can't, it's so amazing. It's so amazing to me and, that, and, that and try and figure out an answer. A cognitive decline. Well, when you're trying you, to tell you, me that what I was suggesting was I a think that you were mocking his stutter. Idea, yeah, I think you were mocking his stutter, oh, and I, I think you have absolutely it, no standing to diagnose no. somebody's cognitive decline. I would think. That somebody in the I'm Trump family would be more sensitive to people who do, do not have medical not licenses diagnosing politicians from afar. Ago. Plenty of people have diagnosed your father from afar, and I, I'm sure it offends you. Your father-in-law from afar, I'm sure it offends you. You don't have any standing I'm not to say diagnosing him. What I'm saying, Jake, you just talked is about a cognitive decline. That Joe I, I have one last question for you, Laura. You can't times you, on stage, and it's very concerning to a lot of people that this could be the leader of the free world. Okay, that is all I'm saying. I genuinely Thank you, feel Laura, sorry so. for Joe Biden. I appreciate. You ever hear anybody dig a hole deeper? Well, my friends, that's what it sounds like. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Um, let's get in case you missed it. Let's get started here. In case you missed it on the radio, here's Jason Manawas. Ding. All right. Um, do you want to take it? You want to do it? Sure. Why All right, not? You do it. You work your magic. All right. So SNL, um, obviously, uh, it's uh, back. And the writing has been actually pretty good this season. Uh, it's taken a dip from the previous seasons, but I've been watching it, and I think it's been uh, pretty good so far. In the latest episode of Saturday Night Live, they had a Canadian-themed sketch complete with references to Drake, Degrassi, and the CBC. Uh, guest host Isaray played a Toronto correspondent at a French-Canadian news channel in the piece titled Bonjour, Hi, and here's a little clip from that segment. Now it is time for our weekly segment with our Toronto correspondent, Awasen. Awasen, bonjour, hi. Bonjour, hi. <laughs> I'm Awasen, and this is Drake Watch. Ah, yes, this is the part of the show where we find out if you saw Drake. Awasen, did you see Drake today? No. This has been Drake Watch. I'm <laughs> um, sorry, that's it? That's the whole segment? Uh, well, I thought I saw Drake, but it was just my friend Etienne. Etienne looks a lot like Drake, plus I was confused because he was crying in a basketball court. Well, uh, uh, did you check anywhere else for Drake? Uh, yes, I almost found him this morning when I saw a man in a wheelchair. But then I remembered Drake was only in the wheelchair for pretend show de Grassi. <laughs> so, uh, it was not him. Okay, merci à moi. Please give us posts if you say drunk. We, of course, this has been Drake Watch. You, Drake! <laughs> so good. Um, <laughs> and I think. We need to do that. <laughs> I'm adding a list. I don't even care if it's Man. Drake, but that was so funny. Okay, sorry. Anyway, continue. Do your thing. Yeah, it was um, it was a it was a pretty funny 
was a pretty funny sketch. I know a lot of people, um, a lot of people pro- probably missed um, SNL. There was a lot of like fights going on on Saturday night, but I, I was actually able to see that piece live and I like spit out my water when I was like, that was so good. Um, so the skit that poked fun at the French Canadian media on Saturday night had mixed reactions from Montrealers. Uh, Global Montreal's Brittany Henriquez got local reaction to the Drake Watch sketch. Here's a clip. Bonjour, hi! Welcome to Bonjour, hi! French-Canadian morning news show live from Montreal! From putting on a French accent to saying they drive Peugeots, some Montrealers say they felt misrepresented by SNL Saturday night. They just got it so wrong. Kate McKinnon was using a French accent and not a Quebecois accent. But I mean, someone who doesn't have an intimate knowledge of Montreal would not be able to really replicate the Quebecois accent. Some say the comedy sketch was a complete miss. They were confused with who they were making fun of. They didn't know who we were. They didn't know who we were. Like, that was the thing last night. But others argue SNL did its best. It's basically comedy based on a, a superficial knowledge of Montreal and Quebec, so it's limited. I'm flattered by it. I mean, there wasn't, you know, those things that were not as Quebecois. And it's cool to have the inside scoop, right? We're in Quebec, we're like, well, that's not really accurate. But still, talking about Montreal on a world-renowned show, it's pretty cool. Quebecers also took to social media Saturday night to both complain and praise the sketch. Some were happily surprised to see the new cast member, Bowen Yang, flex his French muscles. Yang lived in Montreal for a few years as a child. Despite the inaccuracies and exaggerations, some Montrealers say they feel honored their city was highlighted on American television. After all, they got some things right. There's nothing to be offended by. They made fun of our bagel. Were you going to cry like to write a petition about you insulted our bagels and our everything called Jacques Cartier? To work in my Peugeot on Jacques Cartier Bridge, I took a left on Avenue Jacques Cartier and then I parked in Jacques Cartier parking garage. Whether it delivers some Canadian cred or simply a stereotype, the sketch will be up for debate for a while. I think that there are unilingual people um, that are francophone that are saying, once again, they're making fun of us. And of course, it it speaks to the fact that there's a lot of things they don't know about us. But again, it was obvious that there were a lot of inside jokes that the people behind the scenes and the people who wrote part of the skit. Brittany Enriquez, Global News, Montreal. All right. Um, Okay, first of all, they're making fun of us. Okay, Bob and Doug McKenzie, that ends that argument. because that's making fun of Canadians, uh, mind you, Canadians. And the guy lived in Montreal, so he didn't get anything <laughs> wrong. Okay, and let's be honest. And I know this personally. French in different areas of Northern Ontario, the Franglais, if you will. Um, and then there's the uh, Canadian French, and then there's the Quebecois, and... There are many different French. You go to France, and quite often uh, the Quebecois gets scowled upon as class it up, young man, um, for uh, not being as polished in the French. So anybody can complain all they want, but seriously. Come on, man. Anyway, I digress. So if you want to see the sketch on globalnews.ca, it's still available for a limited time. So go to globalnews.ca. 
God, that's not French at all. But it was a good time. Yeah, you can get it for a week, by the way, without signing in. So you can watch the re- the redo of it. We need to work on your French accent. I know. Oh. And this and this comes from a guy with a middle name, Pierre. Oh, man. That's so bad. Yeah, um, right? Yeah. Way to go, Pierre. Thanks, man. Pierre. Hey, man. St- stereotypes are supposed to be funny. Um, so anyone that took that as, uh, took that, uh, offensively, I mean, come on, lighten up, lighten up are there, they're, they exist because of a, a reason. That's it. No big deal. Move exactly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, let's move on, uh, to the world series before, because before the world that, series is read- set. Before anyone say, before you go, there was one text that came in just the last minute there. It just says, Shane, being from the Ottawa Valley, I speak Le Franglais all the time. <laughs> Cheers, Don. <laughs> Thank you, Don. Oh, man. Uh, I will not get over this for a while. Uh, all right. So the World Series is set. The LA Dodgers will take on the Tampa Bay Rays in a best of seven series to determine who will be the new king of the baseball world. Uh, here is a sound from the last calls of both teams winning their conference. Astros. And on the first pitch in the air right field. That is playable. Coming in Margot. And that's it. The Tampa Bay Rays have won the American League pennant. The Rays are going to the World Series. Towering fly ball. The Dodgers come from behind in the series. They come from behind in Game 7, and they win the National League pennant. For the third time in four years, the Dodgers are going to the World Series. Can you imagine if Tampa wins this too? What a party. My goodness. It is going to be insane, and the and the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers in the NFL won today too. They have hope to win the uh, the NFL season. So Tampa Bay really showing out this year for sports, eh? Well, I mean, they're killing it. So I don't know. I guess it's one of those one of those things where um, you know the 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 city of champions, if you will, a la Edmonton, many moons ago. Yes. Uh, so lots of positive reaction, obviously, to the two teams making it to the World Series. But the best reaction by far goes to the legendary college basketball sports ca- uh, sportscaster, Dick Vitale. Here is the clip. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, baby, yeah, yeah, I can't believe it. World Series, yes, we stopped momentum. Three in a row they won, but they couldn't beat us in the big game. Go Rays, go Rays, yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, baby. You, know you, you, uh, you know you sound like a baseball guy when, hey? Like everything he says <laughs> sounds like a baseball guy. <laughs> oh, man, his, his voice in the sports broadcasting world is iconic. Like he's been featured on so many feet uh, on, uh, on ESPN on ESPN productions that uh, involve his voice. He's just, he's a legend. And that to get his reaction on the Tampa Bay Rays winning, oh, that was awesome. Um, so Halloween's coming up. Uh, and Saskatoon has a new, the new haunted house that could be a sinful and haunting experience. The Seven Deadly Sins Haunted House is Saskatoon's newest and potentially 
scariest haunted house. Here's Global Saskatoon's Brendan Purdy on the new haunted house. Corey Swallow always wanted to create a haunted house. During the pandemic, the professional hypnotist, known by his stage name Corey J, had some downtime due to live event restrictions. The result? The Seven Deadly Sins Haunted House. And so we thought, well, now is a great opportunity. We have to do something. We need to do something to do some kind of work. And so we were, uh, yeah, haunted house is what popped into our mind and we started looking into it. And, and wow, there's a lot more to it than, than what I really thought, thought there'd be. From the day they acquired the space, a large retail center off of Circle Drive, it took two weeks and over 200 man-hours to complete the setup, which includes seven rooms, each of a unique theme based on one of the seven deadly sins. Each room was sponsored and designed by a different Saskatoon business, making for some great variants from room to room. Everyone has a certain theme to it with, with the lighting, with the actors, with what's staged here. The Seven Deadly Sins, it just leaves it so open to interpretation that uh, if you just went with a zombie theme, well then you know there's going to be zombies everywhere. But uh, with the Seven Deadly Sins, it's just wide open to, to interpretation. The tours also operate in different scare levels. From 5 to 7 p.m., it's child-friendly. Then from 7 to 10, it gets increasingly scarier with each hour. For those who want a more intense experience, the group offers two late tours at midnight and 1 a.m. on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The midnight tours also feature a mentalism portion and a tarot card reading after touring through the house. Brendan Purdy, Global News. Do you, uh, do you go to the haunted houses? Can you do it? I actually do. I actually do. Um, I, there's, there was one that unfortunately got closed down last year. Um, there was a haunted house in Vancouver uh, that I was going to. And that one was actually pretty fun because the beginning starts off, you have to like crawl in this little crawl space to enter the house. So you have to crawl into it. And there's like things like touching you and then like trying to, trying to scare you. And th that was actually a pretty good experience. I thought that was uh, really well done. Unfortunately, it's closed down now, but that was one of the uh, scary houses here in Vancouver uh, that you could go to. That was uh, awesome. Have you ever been to one? No, I can't. I can't do it. I get freaked out. Like I get the scary movies and all these things. I don't. I don't know if it's vivid imagination or what. I just oh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. Everything. I just don't even want to put myself in front of it. I'm like, nah, I can't. People are like, <laughs> oh, come on. I'm like, nope. You go ahead. I'll wait outside. I want nothing to do with it. Maybe I'm just a big baby. I don't know. Oh, I just yeah. got the shivers even listening to the yelling in that thing. Right. Um, and I think that the, one of the scariest parts about the um, haunted house I was going to was pitch black. Like there's barely, you couldn't see anything. Like it was so easy to trip and fall in the haunt, on that haunted house. But just not knowing what's in front of you is, is probably like, is what gives me like the adrenaline rush to do these yeah. things. Um, and, and they're lots of fun. I don't know, Ray, I don't know if you've been, been to one before, but they're, they're like super fun. No, I'm the same with Shane. I, my imagination just runs wild and I won't yeah. be able to sleep for weeks. Yeah, and the boo scare stuff, right? Like the jump scares, that stuff that drives me crazy. I just, the, I don't like it. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no good reason it's behind it. It's the anticipation it. of something's about to happen, yeah, even though you know, know. they're going to pop out. But still, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to yeah, shorten my life. Five there's been years. a bunch of them in Calgary too, and and um and people love them. And I know people they take their little kids and stuff, and I'm like, what are you doing? Don't take your kids. What? You can't afford the yeah. therapy. Like, <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. Anyway, oh, no, yeah. I can't do it. I'll let you go. You tell me all about it. They just had to call it the seven deadly sins, too. Like, the seven, if 
for people who don't know what the seven deadly sins are, it's that's probably like I think they're right. Like you can that's open to your interpretation, and that's so scary. Oh my goodness! Do we have time for one more, Ray? Yeah, go go for it. All right. So uh, this one comes out of New Zealand. Oh man, that's a terrible accent. Uh, that was, so that was better than your French one. Oh, was it? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm happy then. <laughs> All right. So Winston Peters, uh, the the deputy PM of uh, New Zealand and Minister of uh, Foreign Affairs. Uh, addressed an American COVID-19 denier at a press conference, and this is what he had to say. Where's your evidence that there is a virus that causes the disease? Can you do that by satisfying four Sit down, sit down, sit down. We've got uh, someone obviously got an education in America. <laughs> 220,000 people have died in the United States. There are 8 million cases today. Uh, we've got 79,000 cases probably today in India. And here's somebody who gets up and says, the earth is flat. Sorry, sunshine, wrong place. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, sunshine, wrong place. He was more gentle than I thought. Right? No, that, that, was, that was pretty badass. I actually like that. I like it when, when politicians sometimes have like the strict, um, what they say, I'm, I'm obviously not all the time, but that was, that was uh, an example of... No, that like was it. badass. I actually like that. We might have to pinch that too. Sorry, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. In case you missed it, Jason uh, Pierre Manawis. Manawi, Jason Pierre Manawi from Quebecois. <laughs> oh dear. Oh God. Um, just address your complaints directly to Jason, please. I don't want to do the paperwork, and I don't want the emails. So just send them to Jay. That's all I care about. That's good. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.